When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, Milwaukee Bucks fans. Welcome to the Bucks and Six podcast. My name is Stephen Dorff and alongside me is my co-host Hershey Winkleman. Check us out on social media. We are on Instagram and Twitter at Bucks and Six FFSN. We are also on Facebook at Milwaukee Bucks FFSN. Uh, on today's show, we are going to continue with our top 10 by position series. The position we will discuss on today's podcast is power forward. Uh, like our last top 10 episode, we used basketball reference to determine who would be eligible to make this list, you know, positionally. And if you're on this list or you were on our centers list, you won't be eligible for future lists. So uh, another thing I want to add is that we also decided to, Hirsch and I decided to come up with our own list together this time instead of two separate lists. So with that being said, Hirsch, who just barely missed our list? Yeah, so I'm going to start out with uh, Paolo Bancaro. You know, I think just his rookie year, uh, you know, he had a great year averaging over 20 a game. I mean, a lot of people would argue that, you know, he's an empty stats guy playing on one of the worst teams in the league. Um, but I know I still think he has the talent, unfortunately not enough to make the top 10, but you know, I think he's, he's right there. Uh, what are your kind of thoughts on Paulo not making the list? And then, you know, the other guys. Uh, yeah. So the thing with Paulo is like you said, he, you know, put up, you would say empty stats playing on a team that didn't win too many games this year, wasn't in playoff contention or play in contention at all, but he is also super, super like talented. We all know that he was the number one draft pick, one rookie of the year. Uh, he's a really gifted like passer and he can, you know, he's plays like a point forward or a point big man, whatever you want to call it. But a lot of talent, a lot of athleticism to come with it as well. But I would agree that there are just a couple guys that are probably uh, a little bit ahead of him before he can make this list. And maybe next year or in a couple years from now, he would totally be on this list. But as of right now, yeah, I totally agree. He just misses it as an honorable mention. The next guy that I want to move on to, though, that didn't make our list was Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon from the uh, Denver Nuggets. They just won the championship, and he was a very crucial piece. However, he was only like their fourth or fifth option, probably closer to the fourth option because he was playing lockdown defense. He is one of the best defensive like players in the NBA at this point. But again, I think there are guys who can just do more overall, just better than he can so that's why he doesn't make it Hirsch uh why why does Aaron Gordon not make it for you 
Yeah, you know, I think you touched on it, uh, you know, on his time in, in uh, on the Magic. He was that, you know, at, at that top option on the team. And he just, you know, they, they weren't cutting it. They weren't able to get anywhere with that roster. And, you know, immediately he goes to a, a team where he has a specified role. Um, his his responsibility shrinks a little bit. And all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're, they're fighting for a title. Uh, I think he fits perfectly with that Nuggets team. And yeah, I think unfortunately he just barely misses the list just because of, you know, his role in the offense. Um, but I agree that his, you know, defense is phenomenal. Um, the last guy that just missed our list, another defensive guy. Um, some people, you know, would, would argue that uh this guy des- deserves to be on the list just because of, you know, his, his pedigrees, his career, but that guy's Draymond. I think he just misses misses the top ten. Um you know, he doesn't provide much on the offensive end other than, you know, playmaking and uh, basketball IQ. But, you know, defensively, he still still has what it takes to guard like a, like a two through five, basically. Sometimes he can even guard a one. Um, And, you know, his versatility, his IQ, and just his championship pedigree, I think he just barely misses it. But, yeah, Draymond's still a very impactful player, uh, even in his old age. Absolutely. And what really takes him out of the top 10 is his limitations on offense. Like Hirsch said, uh, Draymond Green, one of the most versatile defenders in the NBA, one of the best defenders in the NBA. However, the guy, the 10 guys that we have ahead of him can do it a lot better on offense than he can. And that's kind of what holds him back. Uh, I mean, I'm ready to move on to number 10, Hirsch. So I'll just go with it. Evan Mobley at number 10 on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, I mean, super young really, really raw. However, he's already a really, really good player at the age of what, 22, 21. So, I mean, I think there's only room for him to grow and he's already one of the best, like two way big men in the league. Uh, he had one of the best defensive ratings this year. I think once his jump shot falls, once he starts getting that figured out and his playmaking starts to improve a little bit, we're going to see him a lot higher on this list. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think Mobley deserves to be on the list. I think, you know, this is kind of the spot where both of us agreed that, you know, he probably should be. I don't know if there's much argument for him to be moved up um, or or down necessarily. I think he's kind of, you know, put a gap between himself and Draymond just based off of that, that you know, 16 and a half points per game. And then, you know, he's getting that nine rebounds. He also will, will get some blocks. Um, and, yeah, you know, he just came into the league being a very effective player. Um, his length, his agility, uh, him being able to run the, run the floor, being able to move around the paint, I think you know that's super helpful. Uh, the fact that you know he can he can provide some some perimeter threat, like you got to guard him, can't leave him wide open out there. Uh, I think Mobley slots in perfectly at number ten. Uh, for number nine, I think you know it's interesting. Uh, I think nine through six is honestly like super uh like close. I would argue, but. I think for number nine, we both have Lowry Markkinen, uh, you know, putting up uh, nearly 26 points a game in his first season in Utah. Uh, obviously, we saw him on the Bulls. We saw him on the uh, on the Cavs. He didn't really have the same type of role, but immediately stepped into the Jazz and became, you know, their number one guy. Uh, also, you know, putting up almost nine rebounds a game, two assists a game. Um, yeah, you know, I just think I think Markkinen, you know, he he definitely took that next step. Uh, being an all-star, you know, that's that's huge for him. I think Marksman, solid number nine. Absolutely, yeah. Laurie Markin is probably one of the toughest covers in the NBA, being, you know, a seven-footer who can lace it up from deep. 
Uh, Lori Markkinen obviously adds a lot of, you know, challenges for a defense to cover. What holds him down is that I don't want to say that he put up empty stats for this team. I mean, he was an all-star starter this year. He clearly had an important role and did a lot for the Jazz. They were semi-competitive at the beginning of the year, but again, they fall out of that play-in range, that playoff talk. So it kind of moves him down, the guys that I have above him, and I'll just go into it. Number eight, Julius Randle. Uh, I honestly would argue to move him up a little bit higher, but Hirsch and I just decided to kind of keep him at this eight spot to appease both of our uh, both of our opinions. So Julius Randle, a guy who has shown that he can be, you know, one of the top contributors to a competitive playoff team. Uh, this year he made it to the second round. You know, he struggled a little bit, but he's also shown why we have him at number eight on this list, why he's one of the most talented big men in the league. Uh, again, a really gifted playmaker for someone who, you know, is six, eight, six, seven. Uh, he can shoot it a little bit from deep, but primarily his like post scoring ability was what makes him so good offensively. Hirsch, uh, I mean, Julius Randle at number eight, how, like, is that something that you can get behind? Would you want to move him up, move him down? Definitely. I know that, I know that was like the first one we kind of started to disagree on. Yeah. I mean, I think Randall's definitely, you know, a good player. Um, I think definitely he's, he should be around number eight. I mean, I think Lowry has a, has a decent, you know, argument to be in that position over him, but just based off of Randall, you know, being in the playoffs, being that five seed, you know, winning that first round series against uh, Cleveland, you know, I, I, I think Randall was pretty influential in that series, uh, just being able to, you know, get the rebounds, kind of dominate those, those uh, skinnier bigs like Mobley and Allen um, on the inside. And yeah, I mean, double-double pr- uh, nearly every night. I mean, he's going to get his points. He's not afraid to, you know, shoot, to take the big shots. And we even saw him in stretches this year where he was just automatic from three, which is kind of strange to see uh, from a guy like Julius Randle, just, you know, pulling up, taking those leaning three-pointers, going either way and just drilling them. Um, not something you normally see out of a guy like that, but definitely, you know, I think him going to the Knicks, being able to, you know, take that next step in the as an, as an offensive player, uh, you know, grow his game. And then obviously, I mean, I think Jalen Brunson helped him a lot too, you know, just setting him up, taking some of that offensive responsibility off of his shoulders. Uh, I think Randall's perfect at number eight. Um, one guy, I think our next guy on the list, both of us have had, you know, some disagreements on is Zion Williamson. Um, you know, he's had severe, severe injury problems throughout his entire career. Um, he's only played 114 out of 318 total games including 29 played this year. But, you know, when he's on the court, still super efficient, puts up 26 points a game, seven rebounds, um, almost five assists. So he he can really do it all when he's out there. I think the problem with him is just, you know, being available. Yeah, and so I I personally would have put Julius Randle over Zion simply because Julius Randle puts up great stats as, as a, you know, a top option on a playoff caliber team. And the the big difference is that Julius Randle plays as much as he can, whereas unfortunately Zion's career thus far has been plagued by injuries. We've seen what he is capable of being when he's on the court. I mean, he could be argued to be the third or maybe even second best power forward in the league when he's playing. But yeah, like you said, he's only played in around a third of his career game so far. So to me, availability is like the number one ability. And that bumps him down a lot further than he should be. Because if we're talking just pure talent, I mean, Zion Williamson is up there with some of the best players in the NBA. But 
him not being able to play game in game out, not even a, like half of his games just makes him a liability. And it makes me want to bump him down a lot on this list. So I personally would have moved Zion down to the eight or nine simply because he doesn't play. But I think that seven is a very fair spot for him right now. Uh, I want to move into number six, Carl Anthony Towns, another guy who uh, didn't play as much this year due to injuries, but you know, he's been relatively healthy for the, uh, you know, previous seasons in his career. Carl Anthony Towns is one of the best, if not the best big men at shooting in the league. He's like a 40% three point shooter. So Carl Anthony Towns is great. He can pass it a little bit. I think this year we saw a little drop off in his game because of how the Timberwolves added uh, Rudy Gobert, another, you know, big man who likes to play in the post. So it takes away any of that inside game that cat could have went to, but what we've seen from cat in the past has me confident at, you know, number six for him. Yeah. You know, I think, I think towns was an interesting uh, player for this list, especially because, you know, this is his first season at the four. Um, You know, he played some of that in, in college, but, you know, ever since he was in the league, he's been he's been the center for the Timberwolves until yeah, you know they they brought in Gobert and the entirety of their team changed. I mean, they they had they had two uh you know big guys. They decided you know we're gonna go huge, we're gonna have you know two centers basically starting for us. And yeah, Towns definitely you know did drop off a little bit having that you know clogged paint, um, but still putting up twenty one a game, eight rebounds. Uh, nearly five assists, like you mentioned, his passing ability, his facilitation. Um, I think he's definitely an interesting player. Um, there's a lot of rumors about him being moved to different places. I know I think if he potentially would be moved, I think you know his, his game would take maybe another step uh, forward. Just if he had more more of kind of that role. Um, but yeah, I think Town slots in at number six. Uh, I think there's an argument for him to be moved down or to be moved uh, up, depending on, you know, how we feel about the guys at, you know, five and number four. But yeah, Towns at number six. I think that works out. But uh, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back with our top five power forwards heading into next season. Welcome back to the Bucks and Six podcast. My name is Stephen Dorf and alongside me, Hershey Winkleman. Uh, we just covered our number, our honorable mentions uh, through number six power forwards going into the uh, NBA season. So let's move on to number five. We have Pascal Siakam at number five on the Toronto Raptors. Uh, Pascal Siakam is a guy who won the championship, uh, you know, years ago with Kawhi Leonard being the number two option. And since then, we've seen him have to step into that number one role. And obviously his success, I don't want to say obviously, but his success uh, with actually winning games has dropped significantly losing, you know, becoming that number one option, but what Pascal Siakam provides or has provided throughout his career is just being one of the most versatile big men in the league, being that he can kind of shoot it. He can pass it. He can defend almost every position this year. He had kind of a down year defensively, but I still think he's got it in there and it was, he'll, he'll bounce back. But again, he's just like a Jack of all trades type of guy you know, very few flaws in his game. And I think he is one of the more elite number two options in the NBA today. Yeah. You know, I can agree with a lot of that. I mean, I think, you know, Siakam's just a guy who's going to fill up the stat sheet, you know, in, in uh, night in night out. Um, he doesn't really, ha- he's pretty consistent. Like he doesn't have like those massive drops in scoring. Like you'll see from some guys um, that are around his tier. 
Uh, there's also a lot of, you know, rumblings about him being moved possibly. So, I mean, we've seen the power forward market light up recently with, you know, Zion trade rumors, Towns trade rumors, uh, Siakam trade rumors. Obviously, Durant got moved uh, that last season. So, you know, pe- people are, are teams are going for these uh, these elite fours. Um, a lot of the, these teams, you know, they, they want to have that, you know, that forward, that option in that front court just to, you know, give them a different look. And I think, you know, Siakam, for what he's done on the Raptors, has been quite impressive. You know, he came into the league as as a as a project player. Um, you know, not having a ton of notoriety and ended up, you know, blossoming into the player that we know he is today. Uh putting up 24, almost eight rebounds and almost six assists. I mean, he can he can do it all. And I think he he should be number five on this list. I think he is a top five uh player at his position. And I, I think he I think he could improve. Um in maybe a, a different scenario or depending on, you know, what the Raptors do with their team. I mean, I know there's a lot of talk about maybe Fred Van Vliet moving, Gary Trent moving. So, I mean, he might be in a different situation next year, uh, whether that be on his own team or whether that be uh, he gets moved. But I think Pascal is elite, and I think he should be absolutely at number five. Um, moving to number four, though, this is a young guy who – I think we both had some uh, some slight disagreement on if they should be at number four or not, but uh, I think we both put Jaron Jackson Jr. at number four, uh, putting up almost 19 points a game, uh, seven rebounds, one assist, and three blocks per game, winning the defensive player of the year. I mean, Jaron Jackson Jr. does it all. We saw him in the playoffs, um, especially against the Lakers, You know, put up some incredible offensive uh, scoring too. Uh, scoring over 30 points per game, I think twice during that series. So, I mean, he can, he can put it together on offense. Um, there's a possibility that, you know, he has a dip in his uh, scoring numbers to start the year or in, in all of his numbers, just because of, you know, job being suspended. Um, but, you know, I think what, what Jaron showed us this year, he definitely deserves to be in that top five. And I think four is a good spot for him. Yeah, and what I want to say with Jaron is that what he lacks on offense, he totally makes up for, and plus with what he can do on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, he's an an absolute athlete at 6'11", 6'10", however tall he is, can move really, really well. And yeah, I mean, he's probably one of the best, if not the best shot blocker in the NBA right now. Uh, Coming off of a defensive player of the year, and yeah, he can shoot it from deep. He can, you know, score a little bit in the post. And I think that he's going to need to make some improvements offensively if he wants to keep moving up this list. But Jaron Jackson, as of right now, where it stands today, is probably one of the best two-way big men in the league. And that's kind of where I'll put it. And I think four is a really, really good spot for him. The guy we have at three is Jimmy Butler. And I know a lot of people might be thinking Jimmy Butler, power forward what, but he, uh, according to basketball reference, he played uh, most of his minutes at power forward this year. So that's where we decided to slate Jimmy Butler. So Jimmy Butler is at number three for us at power forward, putting up like 23 a game with nearly six assists and five or sorry, six boards and five assists this year. Uh, again, Jimmy Butler is just one of, you know, those do it all players. He can pass, he can shoot it a little bit when he needs to. Obviously the percentages might say otherwise, but trust me, he can make those shots when he needs to make them. Uh, Jimmy Butler is one of the best leaders in the NBA. I know Hirsch, you're going to get behind that. He can, you know, rally his team to make any sort of comeback in any scenario. Uh, I think 
three for Jimmy Butler justifies, you know, as a power forward where he fits. I think the top two guys that we had have ahead of him are definitely better individual players than him. And I mean, yeah, I think three is a really good spot for Jimmy Butler. Hirsch, do you think three is a solid spot for him? Would you move him up? Would you move him down? Yeah, you know, I, I definitely don't think there's any argument for him to be moved down. Um, I would argue that the top three on this list are three of the top 10 players in the NBA. Um, and then Jaron Jackson, you know, he's probably somewhere between 18 and 25 if you were to just rank all the players. So I think there's a pretty big gap between, you know, Butler and and Jaron Jackson. Um, and, you know, like you said, Jimmy Butler, just a guy who who doesn't quit. I mean, we saw that all playoff long. Jimmy Butler had his back against the wall multiple different times and fought back. I mean, even when he was up 3-0 against the Celtics and then blew the lead and they forced a game seven, Jimmy Butler was there and he he was there to just win, win the game for him and take him to the finals. And, and we, we saw that against us. We saw that against the Knicks. We saw that against the Celtics. And unfortunately, they were just outmatched in the finals against that Denver team. But, I mean, Butler being in the conference finals, three uh, was it fourth? three of the last four years, um, you know, making the finals, uh, especially this year and in that bubble finals against the Lakers. Yeah, Jimmy Butler, he he does it all. The fact that he is a power forward this year is, you know, a little strange considering that, you know, he played shooting guard and small forward for the majority of his career. But when you look at the lineups they ran, it was a lot of, you know, Gabe Vincent, Kyle Lowry, uh, Caleb Martin, and then Jimmy and Bam. So Jimmy would slot in at that four there. Um which kind of makes sense considering the lineups they were putting out there, you know, and even in the playoffs when people started really watching the heat, uh, they didn't really have like that prototypical four. So Jimmy kind of just slotted in there. Um, we've seen other players do that in the past, like DeRozan on the bulls play some power forward and on the Spurs. So yeah, I mean, I think Jimmy, you know, great player. I would argue he's a top 10 player in the league. Um, even though his regular season numbers don't say that, but just, based off of his playoff success, I think he's he's perfect in over three. And I honestly think that um yeah, when the playoffs come around, he 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 turns into a completely different player. So I think he's he's perfect for three. Um Absolutely. moving to number two, I mean I think both of us kind of agree that this is like the unanimous one and two in this position. But I mean obviously we got Kevin Durant. 29 points per game, 6.7 rebounds per game, five point uh five assists per game. I mean, he's just one of the best players in the league. He has been ever since he was drafted. Um it's KD. I'm not really sure how much there is to say about KD just because you know, he's been in the spotlight for over a decade now. But yeah, I mean, even on the Suns, we saw him in the playoffs. You know, putting up massive numbers, him and Booker scoring nearly almost 80 a game in, in that Nugget series. So, yeah, I mean, Durant, we know what he can do. We know the scoring. We've seen him on the nets do uh, crazy things against the Bucs. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think it's just – it's the slim reaper at two. I think, I think, you know, there's a definitely a closer gap between him and number one than there is between him and number three. So, I think he slots in perfectly at number two. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Kevin Durant's one of the best scorers of all time. I mean, he's one of the best players of all time. He's in that top 20, top 15 conversation of the guys who've ever played the game in history. So Kevin Durant slotting in at two is a perfect spot for him, considering the guy that we have at number one is one of the guys that we think is uh, one of the two best players in the league. You could argue number one, you could argue number two. 
However, I think that this guy's ability to be a two-way player, Giannis Antetokounmpo, slots him perfectly at the number one. Not only number one power forward, but probably the number one player in the NBA. I know uh, Nikola Jokic just had a phenomenal finals run. He got his first championship, and that's the other guy that you know you would say. But right now, what Giannis can do on both sides of the ball, being one of the best defenders, uh, a top three defender in the NBA, He's won a defensive player of the year. He's a unanimous uh, all-defensive player, and he still manages to give you 31 points a game. Uh, I mean, he's had one of the best closing performances in a finals like series ever with 50 points in a game six. Uh, I mean, like Jimmy Butler, the guy, for what he lacks in skill, he makes up with and just sheer willpower. Uh, I mean, yeah, with Giannis, there's really not much to be said outside of the fact that he's one of the best players in the NBA, one of the two best players in the in the NBA. Therefore, I mean, he's number one on this list, in my opinion. Yeah, I think Giannis, you know, he has to be number one power forward. Um, like you mentioned, you know, 31 a game, 12 boards, uh, six assists, plus, you know, his ability to guard literally every position on defense and be the best help, help side defender in the league. Um, his versatility is, you know, his sheer dominance. I mean, a lot of people are talking about how he's the most dominant player that we've seen in the NBA since Shaq, um, when it comes to just like sheer force and ab- abuse of players in the, uh, in the paint. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, what he, what he, what, what he gives you on rebounding, what he, what he gives you in the playmaking, what he gives you on defense. You know, I think that makes up for his lack of shot, but I mean, Clearly, the lack of shot doesn't even really affect him if he can still put up 31 a game and be a top two player in the league, probably a top 15 player all time when it's said and done. And, you know, a champion, someone who, you know, can 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 fight through adversity, um, you know, and, and a lot of people forget that Giannis didn't come into the league as, you know, a world beater top prospect. Like this guy was a project. He had to work for it. And um you know, he he definitely did. Uh two time MVP. I mean, I I don't really know what else there is to say about Giannis other than that he he absolutely is number one. For sure. I mean, I think that perfectly wraps up our list. And I want everyone to remember that this is just our opinion. Obviously, nothing we say is like guaranteed. It's not like, oh, that's like the way it is. So we want to actually hear from you guys. Like, who do you guys have as your top 10 power forwards? And we want to do this for all of our lists for that. Uh uh, positionally in any future lists that we make. We want to hear what you guys think and, you know, what you would agree and disagree with us on. Yeah. I mean, I just want to hear what the fans think, what the people think, what the fans of the NBA think. Uh, where do you, like, did you guys disagree with us putting Giannis uh, or Durant at two, Butler at three? Is there something that you would have switched? Yeah. I mean, just piggybacking off of that. I love, we love to hear you guys feedback. Uh, you know, you guys can li- leave us um, reviews on Spotify and Apple as well as, you know, reaching out to us on Twitter. You know, we're active on there, putting out polls, putting out our thoughts. Um, you know, don't be afraid to, you know, reach out for us on there. Uh, that's going to be it for today's episode of the Bucks and Six podcast. Uh, like I just mentioned, you can leave a like, download, subscribe. Uh, and then, yeah, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bucks and Six FFSN and on Facebook at Milwaukee Bucks FFSN. I'm Hershey Winkleman. He's Steven Dorf. And let's go Bucks.